0: Phone to do not disturb. Sorry about that. All right. I accidentally left my. Jake, (laughs) you are kidding me, man. (laughs) There we go. Is that so much for our small talk? (laughs) Okay. Wow. Well, hello everyone. I'm Kimberly Adams. Welcome back to Make (laughs) Me Smart, where we are clearly unprepared, and Jake was on it. Um, But here is where we try to make today make sense. (laughs)
1: I'm Kai Rizdal. It is Wednesday today, the 15th of November. Man, that was pretty funny. That was pretty
0: funny. Yes, it was. Short and sweet today, we're going to do some news and some smiles. So uh, let's get into it. Kai, what you got?
1: Yeah. Uh, all right. My entire uh, program today is all space. It's space in the news and it's space in the make me smile. Um, so two things, uh, both of which are uh, original Bloomberg items, uh, well, one of which is publicly announced, but the other one, which was a Bloomberg report today. So Bloomberg reported today that uh, SpaceX, Elon Musk's company, of course, is going to spin off Starlink, which is its you know ubiquitous uh, small satellite program, which is providing Internet to people in India and in lesser-developed parts of the world, but also, as you've heard on this podcast, has been used uh, geopolitically in crimea and the russian ukraine war and also in israel and gaza anyway so bloomberg reports that um sorry gotta get the dog
0: come here really, of course you on. do come on
1: come on also because it's raining outside and it's cold and now watch her open the door again anyway Aww. so bloomberg reports that spacex is going to spin starlink off at some point in the next 18 or so months i should say here that reuters further reports that sorry dog number two i'm just gonna leave the door open even though it's cold and wet. Um, Reuters further reports that Elon Musk has denied it, but without much specificity. He just says false. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. Here's why I bring it up. I've been critical of, of Musk and of the company that he runs and owns, uh, basically, for uh, his dabbling in companies. Yes, SpaceX and and Starling, specifically, um, for his dabbling in geopolitics and, and his... Um, how to put this, his unawareness of what he's doing. Uh, Bright guy, could change the planet, but really just, I question his motivations. Um, Anyway, I wonder if Starlink being a publicly traded company, even if perhaps completely owned by SpaceX, I don't know, like majority owned, um, might change that. And if so, that would be great. And I just sort of wanted to float that out there because maybe that would, you know, change things with the way that company's being used, which troubles me deeply. So that's number one. Number two, Wait, why do you think that that
0: might change things? I don't
1: understand. Well, once you're a publicly traded company, and look, I know Tesla's publicly traded and Elon Musk still gets to do whatever he wants. I I know, I know, I know. This is me being optimistic. Kimberly Adams, hello. Do you not recognize this? Hello?
0: (laughs) No, I don't. Not not from you. No, I don't. (laughs)
1: I'm I'm hoping, I'm hopeful that more eyes on Starlink Right. And market forces, which I know can be shaky at best, um, mm-hmm. might do something. Might not. Might not. I don't know. OK. I don't know. Maybe I'm fine. Right. Don't know.
0: I, I like that. That's, that's my hope. High. I like this version. There we Let's go. go OK. With it.
1: All right. OK. So that's item number one. Item number two. Also, SpaceX. Um, the company got approval today and will launch on Friday its next attempt at the Starship, which is the thing that blew up a large part of South Texas, along with the rocket itself. Uh, the last time it tried to launch, which I think was in April. So the really Mm -hmm. interesting part about this is that uh, the company has gotten all the necessary approvals from the EPA, from the FAA, from environmental and safety people and all of that jazz. So, hmm, that's interesting that they got all those approvals. But also, B, this is a big rocket, and I'm curious to see if it can get off the ground.
0: Hmm. Yeah. 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 I have many yeah. thoughts, but I need to sort them a bit first. Okay, yeah, fair enough. That's cool. Fair
1: enough. Yeah.
0: Um. All right. Well, my news is very election related because you know we're in sure. it. Whatever. Just sure. absorb. Uh, there was. <laughs> This is going to sound obscure, but I'm going to explain why it matters. So there's this liberal super PAC called Priorities USA. And it's not just any super PAC. It's like the big one that one of the biggest Mm -hmm. of the liberal super PACs. They announced on Tuesday that they are not going to run a single television advertisement in the 2024 election cycle. They are going All digital. I'm going to read here for The New York Times. Instead, the group announced Tuesday that Priorities USA is reshaping itself as a digital political strategy operation, the culmination of a years-long transition from its supporting role in presidential campaigns to a full-service communications research and training Hmm. training behemoth for Democrats up and down the ballot the move reflects a broad shift in media consumption over the past decade away from traditional broadcast outlets and toward a towards a fragmented online world it also shows Mm -hmm. the growing role played by big money groups in shaping campaigns in american political life priorities usa says it will spend 75 million dollars on digital communications research and infrastructure in the next year so much Mm. of how we view political campaigning and political spending and ad spending has been run through the filter of TV ads for as long as I've been covering presidential elections. And for the record, the very first presidential election I ever covered was in the year of our Lord 2000. Well, you know, actually, anno domini, yeah, whatever. There's lots of versions of that upbringing. Yeah, comes same, same basic thing. Anno domini or yeah, common era. Yeah. But breath. isn't there a new one though? There's there's something else that's not ad that. Because um, there's BCE and then that's before Christian era instead of BC. But isn't there a different version of AD as well? I don't know. Okay, sorry. There's a listener a real... to this podcast who will, and they <laughs> will know. Yes. And that was a long tangent. Anyway. So since 2000, you've been going through to look at see how campaigns were doing, how they were spending their ad revenue, how they were spending their money. You look at their ad spend, specifically their TV ad spend, because TV Mm -hmm. advertising was the way to get at the most active voters and to have Priorities USA say, forget it, we're not even going to bother with it is really a marker of the shift. Um, Digital advertising has been creeping up on television advertising for years now. And I believe it actually surpassed television advertising by a bit in the last cycle, but I'll have to go and double check. But the fact that they're not even trying says a lot about where they think voters are or where they can reach voters. Because yes, you can skip ads on TV. Very few people are watching live TV, even with the decline of viewership of live sports. Um, that was one place to get them. And so I also saw news today that, you know, a growing number of people are getting especially young voters, they're getting their news from TikTok.
1: TikTok and yeah, so I saw that.
0: Exactly. And so I just think uh, people should be mindful uh, that just because you don't see the ads on TV doesn't or you don't yep. hear about the television ad spend, does not mean they're not going to get you. They will find you everywhere else this campaign cycle.
1: So so a, a question, if I might, do you think and, mm-hmm. and you don't have to answer it now, we can always come back to this. What do you think that will do? to the way America votes. Is that going to substantively change how America votes? Not not like the physicality of it, but the result at, at the ballot box.
0: So, there is research demonstrating that advertising helps with name recognition. It doesn't really sway people so much. Like, there's just... There are so few actual swing voters in this country, like the the slice mm -hmm. that is independent, like really, really independent is a relatively small slice. And so will it matter so much in the presidential election? Maybe not. Will it matter in the primaries? Probably. Will it matter in state and local races? Probably. And there are a lot of ballot initiatives, I mean, especially on issues related to abortion and things like that that are coming Mm -hmm. up all over the country. And I think it will matter there because younger voters in particular who were not being exposed to political advertising in many of the previous cycles simply because it was not reaching them and they were getting around it are now going to start seeing it see it they're going to start seeing it they're going to be annoyed by it just like everybody else and i think we don't know yet what that's going to do because there's also so few guardrails over around the advertising itself and whether or not any of it's true um artificial intelligence in these Mm -hmm. ads i think these ads are going to be hyper targeted um one of the stories i'm eventually going to do this campaign cycle is about um just exactly what data campaigns have on all of us to help them target the advertising, Mm -hmm. because it's a lot. (laughs) And so I do think it's gonna sway people on down-ballot issues. I don't think it's gonna matter so much in the presidential race.
1: Okay, all right. Thank you for that.
0: Thank you for that. (laughs) You're welcome. All right. You know, but um, I'll I'll be interested to hear from people uh, throughout the course of the campaign especially people who are very online, if you're seeing more online right. ads, what kind of ads are getting targeted your way, if it's creepy to you or not, if it's actually changing your mind, definitely let us know as we uh, make, it, make it through.
1: Totally. All yeah. right, shall we?
0: All right, let's do some smiles. I wanna hear your space all right,
1: you smile. Oh, all right, all right, here's my space thing. So. There I am, sipping my coffee this morning at four, whatever the hell it was, and I flip (laughs) through the New York Times and I read this headline. A supernova destroyed some of Earth's ozone for a few minutes in 2022. So I read into the article and it says, on October 9th, 2022, telescopes in space picked up a jet of high energy photons careening through the cosmos toward Earth. Now, a team of scientists have discovered that this burst caused a measurable change in the number of ionized particles found in Earth's upper atmosphere. The ozone was partially depleted, was destroyed temporarily, said Pietro Ubertini, an astronomer at the National Institute of Astrophysics in Rome. We got hit by gamma rays from outer space, people. Are you kidding me?
0: But was it a weapon Are you kidding me?
1: come on and there's a there's a great there's a great artist representation of the thing and it's got this purple beam coming from space zapping the earth out of <laughs> the
0: so number one
1: it's it's cool and also a little freaky, but um we're not alone I mean things happen out there that affect the earth, and we're not even paying attention it's wild
0: yeah it's wild I, I will point everyone back to that amazing new york New York Times interactive uh about the oh yeah, yeah you yeah, know yeah, yeah. um yeah. James Webb Space Telescope, because yep. like there's so much going on out there. Totally. And what totally. I love about this whole moment we're in is that this concept of space being empty is just getting tossed out the window.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: Or mostly empty space. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. All right, what uh, do you got?
0: So in D.C., it is, and maybe it is where you are, too, it is holiday party season. And in oh, sure. D.C., what that means is a lot of think tanks and lobbying groups and industry groups or associations are having all of these big elaborate parties. And then, of course, you have like your friend parties and things like that. So it's a very busy social calendar, very challenging for us introverts. But nevertheless, we we carry on. Um, <laughs> But there's an interesting article in Vox uh, that I saw that says, the case for inviting everyone to everything. Now, I have a couple of really big parties every year. And the not-so-secret secret secret about my very big parties is that I... um, I am actually an introvert. And one of the things that my very big parties do is they allow me to see a lot of my sort of friend group at one time in one dose, and then I can (laughs) retreat. And so <laughs> lots of people are like, "Oh yeah, I see. I hang out with Kimberly and and we're we're good. We've caught up a yeah. couple times when really they've only actually seen me at like the three parties I throw a year. But That's I still get fun. to stay in touch with people but still like mainly be a hermit most of the year. And so it's sort of like the introvert's cop out for uh for, you know, pretending to be an extrovert. But mm-hmm. this article is talking about how, you know, when given the option, it's nice to just extend the invitation, even if you haven't talked to somebody in a while. And this, especially in, um, I'm just going to read here, putting yourself in a place to form new and surprising connections could lead to revelations. So why not broaden the invitation? Um, Inviting someone to an event where they may not know others can feel awkward, especially if it's been a long time since you last spoke or you don't know them very well. But research shows that you should take heart. Chances are that person will be way happier to hear from you than than you expect. One study found Mm. that people we know are consistently happier to hear from us than we anticipate, especially when the overture is more surprising and unexpected. And And there's another study that found that people who mingled with more loose acquaintances or strangers In a day, reported better moods and a higher sense of communal belonging. There's a paper that assessed people's social portfolios and found that people whose regular social interactions ran the gamut of closeness, um, from family members to coworkers to strangers, reported a higher life satisfaction and better quality of life than those with less diverse social lives. And so mm. in this holiday season, if you're thinking about whether or not to kind of push yourself to accept that invitation or even to extend it, um, I'd say go for it and you, know, you can always retreat and be a hermit later that's it and it made me kind of smile amen. to think about people being welcoming and especially it's it's hard this time of year for a lot of people and especially with everything going on in the world it's just hard in general so any kind of graciousness or kindness that we can extend let, let's let's mm. do it and 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 yep. try to help each other out so that's my smile
1: amen amen it's yeah. a good one it's a good one
0: all right. So that's it for us today. We are going to be back tomorrow. Uh, and until then, you know how to get a hold of us. You can send your thoughts, questions, comments, uh, suggested audio clips, um, paranoia about the upcoming political ad deluge that's mm-hmm. headed our way uh, to make me smart at marketplace.org. Or you can leave us a voicemail at 508. you be smart.
1: Make Me Smart is produced by Courtney Berg. Seeker Ellen Rolfes writes our newsletter. Today's program was engineered by Jake Cherry. Our intern is Neil Farshabandi.
0: Ben Tolliday and Daniel Ramirez composed our theme music. Our senior producer is Marissa Cabrera. Bridget Bodner is the director of podcasts. Francesca Levy is the executive director of digital. What's your holiday party calendar like, Kai?
1: Completely open, completely empty true.
0: Let the invitation start flowing, folks. <laughs> do we all want to be our best selves, but it can be an expensive journey. From experimenting with alternative medicine. I was working with a natural, holistic nutritionist and never really thought about the cost. To splurging on fast fashion. I am spending like all my tips, I was definitely spending like... a week. I'm Rima Hreis, host of Marketplace's This is Uncomfortable. This season, we explore the cost of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts.